Verse 13 begins the actual sermon in terms of the explanation of the text. Verses 3 to 11 is the text, it's the Beatitudes. Now begins an explanation of the Beatitudes itself. This is the application of the sermon in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Now stop and think for a moment. You are the salt of the earth. It doesn't take a lot of salt to salt something. Unless you're just a saltaholic. My father would, in law, my father-in-law would describe certain men as is they would they would put salt on salt bacon. Yeah. But it doesn't take a lot, a sprinkle or two. There are not a lot of us in this world. There really aren't. But our very presence alters this world greatly, just like salt does to food. Now, salt has a number of purposes, and I know you've heard a lot of these before, but I'll just remind you. The basic element of salt is it retards decay. It preserves. It says we are the salt of the world. And what does that tell you about the world in Jesus' approach to it? It is in a constant state of decay. Now what's interesting, at the turn of this last century, much hope was given to the world. We were going to have a century that, uh, with many inventions, many solutions, many diseases healed. There would be world peace. Men have finally evolved out of becoming animals that have killed themselves for thousands of years to finally becoming noble. Well, 1916 and 17 brought World War I. That was quite a devastating blow. We had just recovered from that when Hitler took over in World War II. And then the Korean conflict, and the Vietnam conflict, and then terrorism in our day. Uh, it's hardly a world that is safe, is it? This world that we live in is a world of decay. Now, wonderful things have happened in this past century. Uh, information, the ability to have information has increased immensely. We've made many advances. The basic structure of the world that we live in is one of decay. And every generation brings new hope. Every generation brings an idea that this is the generation that's going to bring the deal and make everything beautiful and wonderful. But the core of man is wrong. The very heart of man is sinful. Therefore, this world is, is a place of decay. And we as Christians, the small body of believers that we are, are the very thing that is keeping this world from falling into total disrepair. We're it. You take salt away from meat, and in one day it will rot. We are the salt. Now, salt does a lot of things. Salt uh, heals. Salt poured into a wound stings. If we have a world that's raw with God and in danger with God and knowing it, we are the irritation in their wound. We are those who remind them 
We are the salt that irritates also. We are also, we are also the salt that flavors this world, that gives any kind of interest to this world at all. And it says that we are the salt of the earth. But notice the warning in verse 13. But if salt has lost its taste. Now, chemist will tell you that salt cannot lose its saltiness. It can't. But it can lose its taste in terms of other chemicals mixing in with it. When it becomes diluted with other chemicals that are involved there, it can lose the taste of salt. It is still just as salty. It does not lose its saltiness. But it loses any taste of that salt. Notice the warning in verse 13. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and used for the roads, trampled under people's feet. Hmm. How does this happen? Listen carefully. This happens when a Christian becomes deluded with the things of this world. When a believer who is a believer in Christ is more concerned with the love of this world than the love of Christ. It happens to churches when they become more politically minded than gospel minded. It happens to ministries when they become more concerned about social ills than the redemptive message of Jesus Christ. It happens to preachers and to churches when they're more concerned of giving a message of hope and encouragement than telling people the truth about sin and their need for the cross and the need for blood and the need and the need for Christ to be all in all. Churches and ministries itself can take many paths. And when they become diluted, they lose the saltiness of the gospel. Uh, the churches lose saltiness when they are more concerned about being people-friendly than they are sticking close to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we want to be as friendly to people as they come in here, but when they come in, they must hear a message that is different than the world that they're hearing. If the church gets its message from the philosophies of the day, it dilutes itself and becomes no good at all. That's why people don't get saved. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men to myself. But men's agendas get drawn up, lifted up, rather than the cross of Jesus Christ. One of two reactions should happen to people when they come into a gospel-preaching church. They should get really happy or really mad. Okay? And I've seen people walk out of this church very angry. Doesn't bother me a bit. In fact, it's kind of encouraging. You got it, didn't you? I've seen them stomp out there. 
and walk out. They couldn't get out of this building fast enough. It happened two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I saw a young man. He couldn't get out of this building fast enough. We are the salt of the earth. We preach a message that is distinct from the world. We hold out no hope for this world at all. Not the nation that we live in, not the country that we live in. I'm patriotic. I believe, I hope the best for America, but we, do, we are not those who promote an American Christianity. We don't take the gospel and put it behind patriotism. We believe in a kingdom not of this world, but of one that's coming. We don't believe in the fulfillment of people's lives. We believe in the end of their life and the beginning of Jesus' life in them. It's a completely different message. It's really the real encouraging message. Because anytime you give people hope that they can live this Christian life or hope in themselves or hope in other people or hope in circumstances that you're going to get all this money and health and wealth and all that, you tell people that, you've sent them out to fail. But if you tell people that the basis of their life is poor in spirit, that they need to mourn and, 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 and allow the Spirit of God to show them their need for Christ, you put them on, listen to me, you put them on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You will never disappoint them because Christ never disappoints. Circumstances come and go. People come and go. People will always let you down. You'll let yourself down. Circumstances will fall apart. You'll have moments where you just want to cash it all in. But if you're on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and Him alone, that thing will never let go. Never. Never. Never disappointed. We are the salt of the earth. If we carry a message that's just like the world, what have they got to listen to? When the, when the church has preached the true gospel, they hear the distinctive message that's different than the drumbeat of this world, and it attracts them. They come in here and they hear the same thing they hear on Oprah. What's the difference? What's the difference? There is no difference. We are preparing down here for a kingdom that's coming on this earth, not for this life. The next life. One man went to see John Fletcher when he was older and he had a lot of sickness and he was close to death. They went to hear him preach. Somebody asked him about it and he said, you know, I went to see John Fletcher had one, if he had one foot in the grave. And after he had done preaching, I found he had one foot in heaven. That's a good response, isn't it? No hope in this world. The saltiness of our church, the saltiness of our lives is the fact that Jesus Christ is the center of it. And come what may, He is our Lord. Let me all wound up here. Let's see. Verse 13. It is no longer good for anything. Preachers will go down a, a, a path of deluding the gospel to please people are good for nothing in the kingdom of God. I agree with the good words of Oswald Chambers. The gospel preached properly is naturally resented and yet desperately needed. People will resent what we say, but they desperately need what they say. Notice verse 14. You are. Notice you're not becoming something. By the way, Christianity is one of the Secrets to growth is discovering what you already are. And then living your life based on what 
God has declared you already to be. If you'll break down the letters of Paul in the epistles, they always follow the same path. The very first part of all his letters tell us who we are in Christ. The second part of all of his letters spell out, based on who you are in Christ, now this is the way you're supposed to live. They're all like that. Watchman Nee has broke down the book of Ephesians like this. Sit, walk, stand. You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Based on a seated position, walk. While you're sitting, walk. And as you walk, you will come against the wiles of the devil, stand. Always in a sitting position. You are the salt. You don't have to become it. You are the salt. You don't become light. You are light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And as he lives in us, there's the light. Look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. Now let me tell you a couple things about light. What does that again tell you about Jesus' and God's perspective of the world that we live in? It's dark. I know that's not warm and fuzzy and friendly, but the world is decaying and it's dark. You can't get light dirty. You notice that? Light that beams in your window. You ever try to get light dirty? I'm going to dirty up the light. No, you're not. Light reveals dirt, does it not? Worst time around our house every day is about 5 o'clock. Sun hits the window just right, and you can see the dog hair all over the wood floor. So every day at 5 o'clock, I'm right there with my vacuum cleaner. I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting for that perfect moment. Sun comes in. You see it all. But you know, I've never gotten hair on the, on the light that's coming in. Take a big bucket of dirty water and throw it at the window. You're not doing anything to the light. We are the light of the world. Nothing in this world can make us dirty. But God uses us to reveal the darkness. And men love darkness. That's why they don't like you. Welcome to the Christian faith. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. Notice that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, there's, a, there's a small town up on a hill near the Sermon on the Mount that is visible by day and by night. It's been there for 2,000 years. Uh, Sephad is the name, and very possibly Jesus pointed to this small town on top of a hill at the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, look, a city on a hill is not hid. Notice verse 14. Uh, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In that very same way, Jesus said, allow your light to shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to to your Father who is in heaven. Christian life is, 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 is not to be hidden. 
The Christian life is not to be lived in a monastery. That was a mistake of hundreds of years, thousands of years ago when the monks took off from the world and sat around with bread and wine and contemplated their whole lives. The problem with that approach is they took their own selves into the monastery. And they also excluded themselves from the world that Jesus wanted them to affect. Now, we don't affect the world directly. We do it by allowing the light that's in us to shine. We don't good, do good works to be seen of men, but, good, but men see those good works. What good works is he talking about? It is the works that Jesus Christ does in and through us as we look to him. That's it. There are no other good works apart from Christ. Only as we look to him, he produces peace and joy and calmness, meekness, long-suffering, all the fruits of the Spirit within us. And you don't even know what's going on. Many times people see Christ in you and you're, you're the most surprised person in the room. But as you look to him, he does the work in and through us, in your schools, at your jobs, in your neighborhoods, at your restaurants, everywhere you go, you carry the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ. We are the salt. We are light. These are things that are commonplace. They're conspicuous. They're all over the place. We're salt. We're light. We're cities set on a hill. Some people say, well, I I'm just a quiet, silent type of Christian. The Bible knows no such thing. I'm just a I'm a secret agent for God. There are no secret agents. Make your stand, proclaim your Christ in a loving, gentle, beautiful way, and let Him shine through you. And do not be hesitant to proclaim Him to everybody you meet. Don't hesitate. Say it. In fact, I make a habit when I meet someone not long before we get into the conference. Usually people are, what do you do for a living? And then I just have to spill the beans. But make sure people know who you know and that you are happy for them to know that. Now, will they misunderstand you? Sure. Will some people not like you because of it? Who cares? Who really cares? Most people respect you. I saw a little video tube thing by Gene Simmons. You know who Gene Simmons is? The guy with the tongue. Hangs down to his, anyway, kiss. Apparently he's uh, purchasing a, a uh, arena football team called the L.A. Kiss. And he's recruiting Tim Tebow. And he's close to signing Tebow. Now, how many of y'all saw the interview on the, the news? Yeah. Good interview. Now, Simmons is not a Christian, but this is what he said. And he just blew past the uh, interviewer, didn't give him a chance to say much. He said, look, he said, if you're a Jew, if you're a Muslim, they leave you alone. What is it about Christians? I'm paraphrasing here. You proclaim Jesus as Lord and just say it and everybody jumps on you. He said, those people in the media doing that ought to be held accountable for that. Speaking about Tim Tebow. You know, I'm, I'm not a big Gene Simmons fan, but he got it right, didn't he? Yeah. What is it? Well, we know what it is about proclaiming Jesus as Lord. Yeah, we learned that this morning. But uh, anyway, it's interesting when a lost man uh, figures that out and 
I mean, my brother who's not a Christian, my brother who's not a Christian, he's talked to me a couple times about that. He's, you know, he's just animated about Christians getting bashed everywhere, and I wish he became one of us, but uh, at least he recognizes, you know, uh, back in, uh, and I'm kind of done, you guys think of some questions, but back in Rome when they uh, threw the Christians to the lions and the persecution of the Roman thing, that they were so brutal that it, it played into the sympathies of the Roman citizens themselves. And uh, many of them, I sure came to Christ as watching the way Christians died for their faith.